New Women, a podcast where we chat about what's going on for women in the world today. I'm Molly. And I'm Ellie. And thanks for being with us. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning, Molly. Uh, welcome to Times New Women, a podcast where we're talking about what's going on in the world for women today. And today we are talking about internalized misogyny. Yikes. <laughs> Just another chill topic uh, for oh us gosh. to chat about. But I think one that underlies uh, a lot of our day-to-day life. So I'm really glad we're talking about this. And yeah, Ellie, did you want to give us maybe a rundown of what it is? Yeah, sure. So one kind of definition I found, I guess, is that internalized misogyny is sexism turned inward toward ourselves and outward toward other women. Uh, So it's really just women who are being exposed to sexism all our life were then in turning or starting to believe those things to be true and putting those expectations and beliefs onto ourselves and to other women. And I do want to say that this is a natural response to a harmful society. So anyone who has internalized misogyny, they are not a bad person. Um, We just all have some healing to do. And so it's pretty, did you find, is there a difference between internalized misogyny and internalized sexism or it's the same thing? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. I was like, I went down the path of, I was looking at internalized misogyny slash sexism, but then I went into internalized oppression a little bit okay. looking at that, which I feel like is more of something that would affect historically marginalized identities. Right. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of uh, internalized misogyny and sexism, maybe they're interchangeable. Perfect. Maybe misogyny is a stronger worded form of it, right? In terms of like, because misogyny is the hatred or contempt Mm. for women, whereas sexism is, I think, more of the stereotypes that we apply to women. So maybe there's more of a, I don't know, a violent element to the misogyny term for it or. Yeah, I I can see that. That makes sense. But for anyone Googling, (laughs) you might (laughs) find both. (laughs) True. Very true. Um, And I like that you said that it's a natural phenomenon because it's not a personal failing that no. you're identifying internalized misogyny. It's what I was reading. I found it very reassuring that it's almost an involuntary, um, involuntary effect of being surrounded by misogyny 24 seven and exactly. yeah, being raised under the patriarchy with the way that women are perceived in the media and you know, the way women are experiencing harassment and objectification and all the things we'll talk about. It's no wonder that internalized misogyny is a thing that we're all experiencing. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it because I think the first step is noticing it and then we can try to combat it, which is something we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Oh my God. And like when I was first learning about this a couple of years ago, I guess, like it's just, 
I was like, oh my God, I've done this. I've done that. I've done all these things. And it's kind of overwhelming at first, but it's, again, like it's, yeah, a natural response. Many of us do this involuntarily and it doesn't mean we're a bad person. We've just learned to do this and now we can unlearn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, learn to not do it. <laughs> I completely agree. I have done all of these things and it's just so frustrating how much time we spent viewing other girls when we were younger as competition or devaluing them for what they were interested in or how they dressed or their hobbies. Um, what a waste of time. I can't believe, I can't believe how many people I probably discounted uh, because of my internalized misogyny. And I didn't even know that was a thing. So mm -hmm. I'm very slowly, I, I think you said you were looking in the past couple of years, that's kind of the timeline I'm on as well, where uh, I always think of that makeup commercial where it's like, maybe it's her, maybe it's Maybelline. And I'm like, maybe it's dislike, maybe it's internalized misogyny, where you're just like, <laughs> what is actually causing this reaction? You know, like, what is this visceral reaction where you're like, I don't like girls that get their nails done. And you're like, uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's your internalized misogyny coming out a bit. So yeah, glad we're chatting about it. Oh my God. Yes. Should we get into some examples? Absolutely. So many examples. <laughs> <laughs> the most, I think anything, just Google, Google anything and it'll come up. But yeah, do you want to start with a few? Sure. <clears throat> um, one that, yeah, I came like just with the researching, it came up and I was like, oh, my God, yes, I didn't even think of that. It was an example from the movie Love Actually, which I am obsessed with. I love that movie. But it's true. There's a scene where the prime minister of Britain is new and he's talking to a staff member and he asks a question about another staff member. And then it's a woman and she responds, the chubby girl. I think there's a pretty sizable ass there. Yes, sir. Huge thighs. And so it's just an example of a female professional trashing a coworker in front of her male boss. Like, is that necessary at all? So like we were saying, just judging other women and criticizing other women. Um, I'm guilty of it. That's one that I still catch myself doing sometimes, like watching TV. Like I'm about to make a totally pointless remark about someone's appearances and why why because this has been like put upon me since birth yeah we're supposed to fit a certain beauty standard and if we don't then we're less than I don't know unfortunately I mean you've touched on I think the most deeply seated emotional topic for me which is like the body image topic oh my god of yeah. this and that is I think threaded through so many things that we're going to talk about on this podcast. Uh, and I, yeah, I deeply struggle with that. I think, I think women have been told forever that their main value is in their looks. And we've ingrained that so deeply that uh, unlearning that, you know, that your value is placed on that is so difficult. And I see, just as like a little side track. Uh, I really like TikTok because I am on so many uh, amazing algorithms for body positivity mm -hmm. and women that are doing really hard work to change the narrative in terms of what bodies are acceptable in society. But 
There's even a woman I saw this week who did a trend that a ton of people are doing where it's just uh, shows kind of like a, a picture of her and her partner and the mirror before they get ready. So I think they were in towels and then you like, you know, put your hand up. And then when it comes back down, like they're all ready to go out for the night. And like tons of people have done this trend. And because she's fat, the amount of hatred and vitriol she received from just random internet people was insane because it was just a fat woman existing in the world and not hiding away whatever. So yeah, I, I mean, just as a sidebar, so, so much work to do there. I think it's a lifelong struggle, but things like love actually do not help that. And it's, it's a classic movie. People love them. I have to say, I, hate that movie I, I hate knew it you were so much <laughs> I love so many movies like that like the holiday I feel like that's my equivalent oh. I love that movie and it's there's so it's so problematic I love it um but love actually I maybe I didn't watch it young enough and now mm-hmm. I watch it and I don't get it and the whole Kira Knightley thing oh weird... okay that's the story that I like the least FYI <laughs> such a, yeah it's such a weird vibe yeah. of like the the wedding video was just all close-ups of her face and you're like wouldn't you yeah. be angry it's if that creepy. was your... yeah. right yeah. shows up at the door anyway sorry that is such a detour but talking about <laughs> examples of internalized misogyny I know I, I want to talk about this a bit later but I think the era we grew up in was just a swamp of mm. not even internalized misogyny, blatant public for consumption misogyny. And we're only coming out of that now in the post Me Too era where media outlets are to some degree being held accountable mm-hmm. for the way that their coverage harms women. So we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. But I, what I'm thinking about ways that we, where we see internalized misogyny, I think of, I mentioned before the kind of inherent competition between women, even when Mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, who wore it better or women always competing for limited positions um, because there's this mindset that they're, they're against each other. They can't be cooperating. Um, And I think obviously that benefits the patriarchy because when women uh, are seeking male validation, they're not questioning the status quo. So another one, I don't know, have you heard of the pick me girl? Uh, No. Okay. I've I've seen this quite a bit lately, but I think as a former pick me girl, probably um, it's a stereotype where the woman has become uh, like the quintessential woman under patriarchy where she like blatant, like, you know, disparages women for like being girly and, um, you know, objectifies all of the beliefs of the patriarchy and says, you know, I'm not like other women. I do this. Mm -hmm. Women are whatever. Um, and when I was reading, I was reading about it a bit more. Uh, it's not something where, where the woman is trying to dehumanize the other women around her. Obviously that's what's happening as a default, but it's 
it's a scenario where she's trying to gain some sort of power back under that oppression. So I read something that said under the specific lens of patriarchy, the pick me mentality is often subconscious attempt to lift oneself from the default role of second class citizenship that women are assigned because of their gender. So it aims to gain power, not to gain attention, although obviously we see that. But yeah, so a woman who not even internalized misogyny. So, you know, you're thinking you're having those judgments to yourself, but you are espousing the very like blatant credos of misogyny where you're insulting women and demeaning them for quote unquote stereotypical female behavior. So. Right. Okay. I did come across that mostly just the, I'm not like other girls. Is that what this is capturing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, this is too familiar. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's so bad. It's implying that like other girls are inferior in some way and that it's a bad thing to be associated with that group. Um, But, oh my God falling into the guy's girl trap I'm using air quotes where you're pretending to be chill or calm about men doing inappropriate things like it's yeah I've been there and if only my 18 year old self knew what I know now I like when are they gonna invent a time machine I would go back and smack myself in the face and be like read something yes oh my god (laughs) it's okay to say you're not okay with this yeah do uh... better yeah. Um, oh my God. Do you remember? Did you ever read Gone Girl? That came up and I feel like I have, but I don't remember. Maybe she had I this haven't. Really famous part of it where uh I don't know, maybe it's a paragraph where she just cuts down the whole cool girl persona. And that was such a big thing in that era, right? The like, mm. you know, one of the guys like laughing along with all the sexist mm. stuff and she completely just like eviscerated it. And I don't, I don't have it up here, but I remember when that came out, I don't think people could hide behind that persona anymore. It was just Mm. such an incredible moment in pop culture. I think where someone was, it was like the emperor's new clothes, right? Someone was calling bullshit Mm. on this (laughs) whole persona. So I think, I think that was like a real paradigm shift for me reeling that and it was like molly you're not fooling anyone like this is this is not a thing so yeah um if anyone googles that paragraph it was just it was such a brilliant response i'm gonna google that that as soon as we're done (laughs) (laughs) um i know there's a lot of examples of internalized misogyny one of just a small one i wanted to bring up was the refusal of women to call themselves feminists and oh my God. Yeah. instead say, I'm for like equality, uh, but I'm not a feminist. And you're like, okay, but then what do you think feminism is? And uh, kind of refusing to identify as a feminist is internalizing that repulsion of feminism under patriarchal propaganda. It seems. Oh my God, Molly, you and me, we need to have like. <laughs> This has been on my mind for the last like year, two years. I'm just like, how, how can we get people to understand that f- the word feminism isn't a bad thing? And yeah, exactly. A lot of people agree with all of the um, beliefs of feminism, but don't want to call themselves a feminist. And what can we do? How do we? Anyway, that's a sidebar. That's another day. No, but it's so true. It's so true because how many people, I I think celebrities or, you know, people in 
positions of power or influence sidestep the term feminism and just say, you know, like I'm for equal rights and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, but why are you avoiding, uh, you know, understanding womanhood and solidarity and the history of what feminism means, right? It's not just equality, but it's also sisterhood and it's supporting women across all, you know, life experiences and where they're at. Anyways, I fully agree with you. I think, I think the patriarchy as like whatever, uh, the structure has done a great job of undermining feminism. So people don't want to identify with it. And hopefully, hopefully we're doing a very small part of, you know, putting the vibes out there that it's a scam. You being for yeah. equality, but not being a feminist, that's a scam. Ugh. Yeah. Anyways. Um, also doing small parts, you being you, Molly, I was going to bring this up earlier with something you said, like, I didn't, I never thought that I had, let's say, like, unsupportive female friends growing up, but I don't know what it was when I got pregnant. I remember kind of feeling a little nervous to tell you. I, I don't know what I was expecting. Like, I thought, you would no longer be my friend or like something bizarre. And then I just remember telling you and you were just like, this is amazing. That's so exciting. And I just felt like, what? Like I can be supported by somebody else. And so even just like, that's a great small step making a big difference. Is oh my God. Thank you for friend. letting me know that because like a, so happy for you and I mean does it hurt that you literally have the coolest daughter on the planet <laughs> whatever but it's hard like it's scary right like changes with your friends and like I don't have kids I don't think I'm going to have kids it doesn't seem like that's a decision I I'm going to make but yeah I mean I I want to support my friends but also yeah I remember you telling me I was like oh my god that's a big change and I've you know sometimes you lose friends when they make big changes and things shift. So I find it really scary and kind of overwhelming to navigate that. And it's obviously I don't have kids either. So I, I can't relate to you on some level. So I'm glad you felt supportive because that's really what I wanted. And like, I feel you on that. I think as I've got to a different part of my life, those friendships are the ones that matter when you tell people something, even if it's not the path for them, you want them to be excited for you and support you and want the best for you. So that's kind of where I was trying to come from on that too. And I was so excited because I love you. I think you're amazing. Everything you do is fantastic. And no surprise, your daughter is like <laughs> one of my favorite people on the planet. So yeah, I, I thank you for letting me know that though, because I, I'm always trying to be involved, but from like a, a place outside, right? Because I don't have kids. So sometimes I feel like I'm like, people tell me things and I'm like, oh my God, is that a thing? Like, right. And I was like, daycare is wild. Or <laughs> oh I don't my know, God. my, my really good friend is, I think I was telling you she's due any day now. And she was talking about being induced. And apparently that's a really scary thing. And I'm like, there's so much, I don't know if you don't go through it. So mm -hmm. anyways, thank you for always being so open with me and letting me into that world because I'm not a part of it. And uh, yeah, women supporting women, the core of our existence. Oh That's yes. what it should be. So uh, I'm just, yeah. I'm like sweating in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, there is a heat warning for today, yeah. but uh, I'm just, I'm like waving my arms around and sweating. So yeah, I think I completely agree. But also, I mean, to bring it back around to the internalized examples mm-hmm. of internalized misogyny, and I promise we'll move on from this. <laughs> One more that I thought was so important to note was the too emotional, uh, you know, tag that women get where oh, they're just yes. like, I, we see this across uh, the spectrum, but what I was thinking of particular was women in politics who are labeled mm. as unreliable, too emotional. You know, I'm thinking like Hillary Clinton, yes. <laughs> AOC, um, you know, the disadvantages of having women in power uh, because they can't be trusted with their emotions. But just anecdotally thinking of this now while we're talking, let's look at mass shooters. Let's look, you know, men in uh, sporting arenas that get in riots, like all of these ways that somehow women are deemed as too emotional or their emotions are not valid. But I don't see the same level of destruction happening from women's emotions. So what a great job uh, to push women into this box where they're seen as you know, not having reliable emotions when men are the ones that are committing these wildly emotional and violent acts uh, a lot of the time. So hashtag not all men, but you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. Also, okay. I wish I had looked up this um, article before we recorded, but there is a study somewhere that to kind of try to counter that argument about like women's hormones vary throughout the month. And so they're unstable, but I think they found that men's hormones actually fluctuate so much within a day. So like that argument is not valid. Like, yeah, I have seen a little bit about this. Like, I mean, just the men's like daily one and true, like testosterone is wild, right? Oh yeah. Fluctuations in testosterone. So why, why is there not this narrative about men controlling their testosterone and that driving? (laughs) Like, it's crazy to me. And people are being, Oh, like maybe it's that time of the month. And we should be like, maybe it's that time of the time day of the that day. your testosterone is spiking. So yeah. Oh, love it. Um, did you want to talk about the queen bee? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. There were, okay. I also wanted to bring up slut shaming. Yes. Again, the queen bee. Okay. So yeah. Shaming women for sexual preferences or history is part of internalized misogyny. Like that is nobody's business. It shouldn't matter. That's, you know, the patriarchy, again, trying to control women by policing their sexuality and just, like, prescribing who and where and when women are supposed to have sex. It's, oh, my God, implying our bodies aren't our own, which now in the States they aren't. But I don't know. We shouldn't get into that today. But I, So many thoughts. Yeah, the sex shaming, it's, yeah, just a reflection of the patriarchy and the society saying that women are just there for men's um pleasure and that woman yeah so we should not be slut shaming women (laughs) we should be supporting everyone for their choices and then yeah so queen bee because another part of internalized misogyny that i came across an example is hiding parts of yourself so but the examples i read was like downplaying your intelligence to like not make men feel uncomfortable or women athletes who are concerned about outperforming male athletes but that that shouldn't be their concern like they're worried about emasculating men but let the men worry about that like you perform your best but part of hiding yourself it made me think of the queen bee queen bee syndrome queen queen bee phenomenon which 
that term is kind of harmful and I think people are trying to move away from calling people queen bees but also called self-group distancing so it's about women who kind of try to disassociate from their female identity and so by doing that they might be downplaying any parts of themselves that are traditionally feminine so not not talking about being a mother say in the workplace or yeah not talking about any hobbies that might be traditionally feminine and then like um really highlighting parts of your identity that are more masculine or fit in with your environment so like i don't know talking about hockey if that's what everybody at work is talking about and uh so yeah and this is like it's often seen in male dominated spaces where women will be a minority group um and uh, even this feels gross like before people thought that this was like women trying to compete with each other but it isn't even about that like um they found that like senior women would support policies for other senior women but they wouldn't support policies for junior women that would like yeah policies about more gender equality in the workplace and so it's really like oh my god climbing and kicking like women climbing up but then like not supporting junior women which is terrible and then this kind of behavior it is sexism but it's not seen as sexism because it's a woman who's doing the behavior and so it has the same uh negative outcomes where like junior women will feel you know more anxiety and that sort of thing in the workplace but they don't no one labels it as sexism and sees it as sexism anyway that's just my that is so interesting that is so interesting thank you uh that resonates with me on so many levels I mean through my experiences at work and even just on a very I don't know basic level the like senior meetings I attend always start with sports talk always (laughs) sports talk and you know there's more men in the meetings for sure. And they're always just, you know, calling out each other about whatever sports happening that time. And I'm just like, this is so old school. It feels very like mad men or whatever. Yes. The old boys club. Yeah. The old boys club. And I mean, unfortunately the old boys club is still a thing that we see so much. So you're right. And I think it's sad that you know, the senior women will help each other, but not the women below them. And I think part of that, I mean, I'm not sure I haven't researched this, but part of that is still that mindset that there's only limited spaces for women. So like you have to protect your own spot. Um, You got there and like, I'm sorry, but there's not the capacity to have anyone else there. And maybe that's something that needs to change as well. Instead of feeling like, you know, a token woman in a senior position, you need to feel like there there's more room for women at the top as well. I just want to say something, uh, something I read that lines up with that was just that everyone is unique and there's no reason to feel competitive with other women. There's room for us all. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. yes. For real. <laughs> yeah. I have just one part here that I wanted to touch on because I thought the context for us specifically was important to talk about, you know, I heard it called the bubblegum misogyny of 2000s pop culture. Um, And Vox did a really cool series on this where they were just looking at cultural, pivotal cultural moments in the 2000s and looking back on that 
how much of an effect it had on the way we viewed society. So we're talking about, you know, Paris Hilton sex tape. We're talking about uh, all of the nude photos that were leaked of celebrity women, things like that. So I had uh, one quote, when today's 30-somethings were teenagers, the culture was awash in confusion about sex, purity, and femininity. We were post-feminist. Women had already achieved equality and had become butt kickers with girl power, and there was nothing left to complain about. We were in the midst of raunch culture, and it was important to be tanned and sexy uh, and down for anything. We were entering the Bush-era purity ring years when virginity would be held up as a prize to be fetishized and evaluated. And so we're talking about, you know, all of these competing values for girls and women growing up in that era. And I, you know, I was just, I was reading about that and about the way that Paris Hilton was portrayed uh, about the sex tape that was leaked against her will um, and how she was portrayed for that. And even one thing I thought was really interesting, you Pink, who is still a singer now, Mm. but I loved her because she was such a like Mm -hmm. kind of alternative pop person at the time but they were talking about her stupid girls music video I don't know if you remember that no. one it was uh her kind of mocking uh the like Paris Hilton aesthetic of the time and the culture of that time but where when I saw that video initially I thought it was such uh, an astute commentary on you know that lifestyle but it was really just pink cutting someone down for living under the compulsory femininity under patriarchy, right? Like Paris Hilton was such a, uh, you know, perfect ideal of what a woman should have looked like at that time. And I mean, obviously she was incredibly privileged and, you know, had a lot of ways that people didn't feel sorry for her, but what we see at the end of the day is just a woman cutting down another woman Mm -hmm. instead of critiquing the structures of power that made the woman feel like that was the best way for her to exist in the world. So anyways, just you and I coming from that upbringing, I think there's Mm -hmm. a lot of work we need to do because even when I thought I was being alternative and, you know, it was just, it was pick me culture again, and it was internalized misogyny again. I was really trying to think a lot about my upbringing and socialization and where that came from. So yeah, I just, I wanted to say that what bubblegum misogyny of the 2000s is where we're coming from in some ways. So there's a lot of work I need to do personally. Oh my God, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, when we were talking about, I I think we should touch on causes. I I think we've Mm -hmm. made it very clear where it's coming from, but, you know, just to say, what causes it? Um, I don't know if everyone maybe spends as much time as you and I thinking about the structures of oppression mm-hmm. that we're operating under. I mean, hopefully people give some thought to it, but I think about it a lot. Uh, so did you did you have anything for this one that you wanted to chat about? Um, like I just found that, you know, what causes it is just being raised in a society that has these social gender roles. So a social gender role is just these kind of assumptions from society that women should behave in feminine ways and work in feminine jobs and men should behave in masculine ways and work in masculine jobs. And so just being raised in a society like that, um, 
but I feel like that doesn't explain anything. <laughs> I'm just saying that. No, you're, but that's it, right? It's the devaluing of the stereotypically feminine. I think that's kind of like the right. overarching thing, right? Where we, we see now that stereotypically or jobs that are heavily populated by women are historically paid much less. Uh, they're, they're valued less economically. And that goes through for everything. When we, we talk about even in pop culture, the hatred of basic, right? Anything that's basic mm-hmm. for women. So pumpkin spice lattes and apple picking and, you know, anything that is overtly feminine or female is mocked and ridiculed and devalued. So we're talking about anything from, you know, pop culture to individual traits, which you're saying, you know, the, um, the traits, even in leadership, when we look at management, what is valued? Um, when you look at studies, what is actually the most uh, impactful traits for effective leaders to have? It is empathy, it's understanding, mm-hmm. it's collaboration, it's team building, uh, consensus making. But then when you ask the ones doing the hiring what they think mm-hmm. are the most important traits, it is, you know, dynamic leadership. It's, you know, blasting ahead without, uh, you know, not having self-doubt or not having to have that level of consensus building. It's thinking, you know, what needs to be done and going ahead and doing it. So there's very, I think they're called agenic traits, Mm -hmm. um, you know, very leadership traits. So anyways, when we're just talking about what causes internalized misogyny, it is growing up in a world that devalues any traits or things that are seen as feminine. And then no wonder we start to outwardly devalue that ourselves. You nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do we want to talk about some of the effects of internalized misogyny? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Sad. (laughs) So sad. And I know, I know we've touched on a few of these already talking about preventing, uh, women and girls from, supporting each other and forming healthy relationships rather than just thinking they're in competition. So I think that Mm -hmm. is a really isolating way to exist is to not think that you can trust women because you're constantly in competition with them. Yeah. Also what came up when I was looking at this was that this leads to body issues, a lack of self-confidence, a sense of powerlessness, and it's also just a setback. Like it's not helping us fight sexism it's just perpetuating sexism and i also read like it comes you know it can lead to more anxiousness and depressiveness and suicidal impulses and oh my god so many bad things yeah body shame disordered eating i found all of those as well when i was looking into this and none of that is surprising the i mean i guess this shouldn't be surprising either but another thing i came across was internalized misogyny leads women to be more likely to blame women in cases of rape or to attribute more blame to uh, women in cases of sexual assault or rape. You know, it was dependent on what they were wearing or what they were doing. So just seeing all of that come through, uh, it's clearly very important that we examine internalized misogyny and we start to combat it. And I think that moves us really 
mm-hmm. nicely into uh, the kind of last part of this, which is how can we combat this and uh, call it out when it's happening? And I think there's a few there's a few really good ways to do this. I know one we have discussed already, which is do the work yourself and think about where you're coming from. And you mentioned that when you're watching TV and you want to call someone out, think about that and be like, where is this coming from? Right. Mm -hmm. And don't beat yourself up about it, but notice that you have this narrative in your head that's been there, you know, since the bubblegum misogyny era uh, that you're battling against. Yeah. Um, I'm relying on you for how to combat this because (laughs) teach me Molly. I don't know. (laughs) Oh God. I don't know. I mean, my whole thing has just been examining all of the ways that I have embodied internalized misogyny throughout my life. But uh, one quote I really liked was empowered women empower women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you and I do for each other. Mm -hmm. That's what we should be demonstrating in all of our friendships is lifting women up wherever we can. Um, Mm -hmm. And recognizing that we're all in this together and you know we can dislike traits in women but that doesn't make women as a whole unlikable or unreliable or untrustworthy there's a difference between you know having one shady interaction with a person and then labeling that whole group um and just paying attention to what people are saying. And if you feel feel comfortable, call that out. And one thing I'd like to ask is men to do that too. It's so important that men do the work because they're in those spheres that a lot of times we're not in and they're in a position to call that out. So anytime you hear a comment, uh, you know, investigate it more. I think you can go in with healthy curiosity. Um, I just want us all working towards the common goal of dismantling the patriarchy and not ourselves. Right. So like there's, there's a common enemy here and it's not, uh, women or anything. It's the structures of oppression that are making us feel like we need to cut down other women. Yeah. So, but yeah, men do your part, do your part. Oh my God. I, okay. I want to go into a side rant about that because I'm researching a lot of stuff with this right now. And so, yeah, exactly. (laughs) My conclusion is basically we need men to do more because they're the ones with power. And also um, there's research that women who call out gender inequality in the workplace, they, um, they're disliked by peers, disliked, especially by men, but women too. They're just disliked by everyone if they call it out, whereas um, it's not as harmful for a man to call it out. But at the same time, men don't see it. They don't recognize it as much in the workplace. So that's really tough too. We need your help, men. Oh, but good point though. And like, thank you for bringing your work into this. Your work is so freaking interesting. Uh, But good point, because that's why we need male allies in that because women pay a much higher price in a lot of these Mm -hmm. situations. So absolutely. Uh, One thing I thought was important to note though, that we can still critique women without resorting to internalized misogyny, but being a woman does not discount you uh, from being held accountable. I know we've mm-hmm. 
run into this with women in positions of power where we want to criticize, you know, their policy decisions or the decisions they're making. But a lot of the times I think we revert to misogynistic comments. Right. First, I was thinking um, specifically, you know, holding people accountable, but choosing not to respond to oppression with more oppression. So when Mm -hmm. we're critiquing a woman for something she has done or said, it's not about her appearance. It's not about her life choices as like a mother or whatever. It's how her actions will affect something. So, you know, condemn the actions and the ideas, but we don't need to comment on people's physical appearance or their mental health or their emotional health. So I think that's important to say, because I don't know if you've ever had this uh, phenomenon before where, you know, maybe you're saying something about a woman in power and someone's like, well, I thought you were a feminist. I thought you're a feminist. So why would you say something like that? And you're like, excuse me, being a feminist does not, you know, exclude ever critiquing women again, but let's right. be cognizant of how we're doing it. So that was something I thought was important. Are you ready to then move on yes. to what are we into? Okay. I have yes. two, two Ooh. quotes. I just want to read at the okay. end that I thought were really important. So one is bell hooks who wrote Over. right <laughs> the enemy within must be transformed before we can confront the enemy outside mm-hmm. so this is all we're talking about is yes. do the work yourself realize where that's coming from and then we can start to make a difference um and then the second one is kathleen hannah who is the uh leading girl in bikini kill in the riot girl band in the 90s um So burn down the walls that say you can't recognize empathy and vulnerability as positive forms of strength, resist the internalization of capitalism, the reducing of people and oneself to commodities meant to be consumed. Don't allow the world to make you into a bitter, abusive asshole. Don't judge other people. Learn to love yourself. And that was the nineties. So like I thought, yeah, great inspirational women telling us, you know, giving us a great path forward. So Mm -hmm. depressing subject matter, but I think we end on a high note to say women have come before us, done a lot of work. So let's continue to push forward and make the world a better place for your daughter and all the, you know, girls and women coming after us. And the boys too. Everyone benefits. Absolutely. And the non-binary folks, everybody benefits. Everyone benefits from dismantling this. So now to a maybe happier note, what were you into this week? Oh my God. I'm so excited. (laughs) I was like, how many episodes is it going to take before I talk about Lizzo? I love Lizzo so much. Tell me. She is, okay, well, she's my, who I listen to to get pumped up, and yeah, I'm very excited for her new album that's coming out in a couple of weeks, but all that to say, I also just admire her, like, so one of her new songs had been criticized by um, folks in the disability community because she actually had kind of a ableist slur in her lyrics, which, like, I'm just amazed at how she responded she listened she learned she released a new version of the song with new lyrics and like i'm just like yes that's how you do it like 
you listen, you learn and you act like you don't need to get defensive and like, you know, it wasn't intentional, but you still need to fix it. And like, so just love her to bits and thought that was super cool. Oh my God. I have goosebumps. Like that is just such a fantastic, I mean, number one, she's amazing, but also what an amazing response that I saw a little bit of it, but I wasn't really sure what the situation was or what was going on. So that's phenomenal. Like how amazing for her to just demonstrate humility and, Mm -hmm. you know, learning and the ability to say, yeah, I was wrong. Let me fix it. Yeah. So like I can read her tweet. Yes. (laughs) She said, it's been brought to my attention that there's a harmful word in my new song, Girls. Let me make one thing clear. I never want to promote derogatory language. As a fat black woman in America, I've had many hurtful words used against me, so I overstand the power words can have, whether intentionally or in my case, unintentionally. I'm proud to say there's a new version of Girls with a lyric change, and this is the result of me listening and taking action. As an influential artist, I'm dedicated to being part of the change I've been waiting to see in the world. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. That is the best. What am Just I into? Another reason. Reason 50,563 yes. why we love Lizzo. I do. I love her. <laughs> I love her so much. I love her on Instagram. Oh my God. She's do you want to go? I just learned she's going on tour. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hello. Okay. Like, I'm so down for that. Yes. Uh, okay. Let me know. My what am I into is nowhere near as exciting or inspirational as that. I have to say, I just, I talk about books a lot, obviously, but I just finished Sea of Tranquility by um, Emily St. John Mandel, who did Station Eleven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I loved. Um, And The Glass Hotel, which I didn't love. So this is her third book. So I was very like iffy on it, but I finished it last night. It was so cool. Um, Yeah, not to give anything away, it's in no way relevant really to what we're talking about here, but just to say like, I loved Station Eleven and they did um, like a show of it Uh, and she wrote it well before COVID, but it talks about like a post pandemic that wipes out the world theater company that tours and does Shakespeare in this like post-apocalyptic landscape. So I think when I see her work, I just think of the importance of art in our life and bringing like joy and meaning and beauty to the everyday and like thank you to like Lizzo and Mm -hmm. this author and the people that make amazing art and make our lives worthwhile because we get to experience it so Mm -hmm. it's despite the internalized misogyny and everything like the world is beautiful and there's amazing things to experience. So thank you, Lizzo and Emily St. John Mandel for your incredible work that we get to enjoy. Amazing. Thank you for tuning in. And Ellie, thank you for bringing your amazing views to this as always. I'm so lucky to be able to talk to oh you. You too, Molly. I love talking with you. All right. Until next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.